You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. I wish I could turn the clocks back to when I felt good about these Green Bay Packers. Is that possible? Does anyone know? And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempisis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's flat, spunky as a corpse, sure looked like they were looking ahead, 28-22 loss to the Minnesota Vikings, the hated goddamn Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Boy, fun weekend for me with football teams from the state of Minnesota, huh? As you probably know, I'm a University of Minnesota alum. My Gophers suffered a humiliating, pathetic, embarrassing overtime loss at Maryland on Friday night. And now this, a big state of Minnesota-shaped you-know-what, right up my you-know-what this weekend. Right up my keister. Great. Love it. Awesome. Pile it on. Fun stuff. With the loss... Packers dip to 5-2 and two on the season. Green Bay remains in first in the NFC North, however, as the Chicago Bears dropped a 26-23 overtime decision to the New Orleans Saints at Soldier Field on Sunday. Thanks, New Orleans. Shout out. The Detroit Lions stay in third at 3-4 and four after being blown out 41-21 by the Indianapolis Colts in... Oh, who cares where it was Sunday? Does it even matter? And the Vikings stay in dead last, but do improve to 2-5 and five with their win So good for them. Before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least tolerate, or maybe you ignore it and just turn your volume down for this section. I don't know. Twitter, Lemps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, I haven't gotten an email from anyone in a couple weeks. Feel free to send one off. Even if it's just, you want to say fire petting, go ahead. Old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, four stars. Those would be awesome. Maybe a comment if you're feeling it, as long as it's positive. Again, we're on Spotify. Search for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue that sits outside Lambeau Field. I'm sure, Vince was really pleased at what he saw on Sunday, watching from wherever he is. And we are on iHeartRadio, so if you have the iHeartRadio app, search for Packers Talk and add us there. Okay, now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in, because God damn it, I guess I have to. Let's talk about this Packers loss. All right, so there is a lot, a lot, a L-O-T of blame to go around for this sad-ass showing. So really, I could start in any number of areas, but you know what? Screw it, let's start with the defense. I think that group probably gets the largest percentage of the shit pie as far as blame goes in this one, for this one. Simply put, they once again got absolutely run over, completely bullied by an offense that was determined to be physical and run the football. Dalvin Cook, star Minnesota running back, was of course incredible in this one, finishing with 163 yards on 30 carries. 5.4 yards per carry. Incredible. Three touchdowns. Also had two catches for 63 yards and a score, including a 50-yarder that came on a screen pass. So that was a lot of fun. 
I mean, he just, he wrecked the Packers single-handedly. I think it's fair to say that he is sort of, you know, he's joined that, I think, that pantheon of, like, Packers killers. You know, Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson, I would put Cook in that group with them now. He's he's shown this enough times against Green Bay, I think, to be to be put in that group. A couple of fun factoids about Cook's performance. This is from Ben Gessling, my pal, Vikings beat reporter for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, at Gessling Strib. You should be following him, even if you're a Packer fan. Got great stuff on the Vikings. You know, it's good to keep up on your enemies. You should be following Ben. He's a hell of a pool. He's a hell of a pool football player too. Really, really good. You can't throw on him. It's like trying to throw on Darrell Revis in his prime. You know, you just you can't do it. It's good stuff. He was an usher in my wedding, too. A lovely guy. Dalvin Cook is the first player ever to surpass 200 yards from scrimmage and score four touchdowns against the Packers at Lambeau Field. In fact, he is the first player ever to have 200 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns in a game at Lambeau Field. That includes the Packers. Fun stuff. That is really fun. That last part was added in by me, but that was really great stuff. And here's another one. You want another fun one? This is fun. This is this is just adorable. This is from Rob Domovsky, Packers beat reporter for ESPN.com. The Packers D in one stat. The last two times a player in the NFL had 200 yards and four touchdowns in a game. It has come against Green Bay, Dalvin Cook today, and Raheem Mostert in the 2019 NFC Championship. Fucking awesome. So that's fun, huh? That kind of puts today's ass-kicking in context, I think, a little bit. I mean, you know what? Actually, it wasn't all Cook alone, right? He didn't do it all by himself. His offensive line had a fantastic day. They just destroyed Green Bay up front to create those running lanes. I mean, he, he had some holes, didn't he? Sure did. The cutback stuff in particular seemed to just wreck the Packers. Just kick their ass. Just, ugh, terrible, shameful. This defense is just, look, they're soft. I don't know any other way to say it. But Chris, what exactly do you mean when you say soft? Great question. Because I do think a few factors go into that equation, if you will. First off, the energy level. It's just, it's not there. Where is the urgency or the intensity with this defense? Do you ever see it? Does this defense even have a fuck you guy on the defense? I thought the Smiths had that job after last year, but I frankly haven't seen it enough from them this year. Or anybody else. You know, someone mentioned Wayne Simmons on Twitter. I'm like, you know, RIP Wayne Simmons. Um, His defense could sure use a guy like that, couldn't they? An ass kicker, a mean SOB, they don't have it. You know, and even when guys do make nice plays, it doesn't seem to fire anyone up, does it? Do they congratulate each other? Is there any real hooting and haw? I don't see it. It just, it all seems so lacking. A lot of kind of, to use a hockey term, just standing in their skates. It's just, ugh. but you know what else goes into that equation? The scheme. Oh, oh yeah, definitely the scheme. So many light fronts, so many light boxes. Oh, don't you love seeing, do you, don't, do you not love seeing Preston Smith line up at corner? I didn't even realize that till after the game, till I saw the screenshots on Twitter. I was like, oh my God, he was, he was lined up at, at, at corner at the bottom of the screen. People said that happened multiple times. I don't know how I missed it, but I'll take your word for it. You could tell me anything at this point. You could tell me they had fucking Adrian Amos playing nose tackle, and I'd believe it with Mike Patton. You know? Someone said to me at halftime, like, enough 
Some guy goes on Twitter, he goes, enough with the 2D linemen, 4 linebackers, 5 DB shit. And I just thought, hey, pal, that's been the entire pet era, really. I don't know what you're expecting to change now. I don't know. You're thinking something's going to change now? You know, he just, he won't load up to stop the run. Really didn't seem like they did it all until that final Minnesota drive, to be honest. Maybe I'm wrong. That's the way it felt watching. You know? And it's like, yeah, they've done slightly better or, you know, a little better at limiting the big plays this year in the passing game, but now they've totally opened up, totally opened themselves up to being paper cut to death on the ground. And Petten won't change. But I'll tell you what, to hear Matt LaFleur talk after the game, it does sound to me like the Heat has, if this is even possible, been cranked up even more under Petten's seat. For sure. For sure. I doubt he gets fired tomorrow because, you know, they play again in four days. But I'll tell you what, if they get smacked around on Thursday night, if they get wrecked again, I think there's a good chance he's going to be fired on Friday. I do. Because if you did that, you could get the new guy in on Friday. They would have a few extra days to get everybody up to speed. I mean, it would be somebody on staff. They're not going to go outside the building to, to get a new hire. But that that new person would have that new guy would have a few days to get everybody up to speed. So yeah, I think if they get their asses kicked again on Thursday night on defense, I, even if they win, there's a chance I think he could be fired for sure. <sighs> Shout out to Swans Pumpkin Farm in Caledonia. Drinking their apple cider. This is fantastic. One of the only good things that has happened today is that I've been drinking this apple cider. It's great stuff. Great stuff. I bet this would be good with vodka. I might need some after Thursday night. Who knows? Okay, so anyways, we've got lack of energy and we've got scheme. Is there anything else that goes into that equation for Green Bay being soft? Yes. One last piece of the puzzle. Talent. They don't have enough of it. Especially on the defensive line. This defensive line is Kenny Clark and really not much else, folks. Gee, if we'd only known that after last season. Oh, fucking wait, we did know that, and the GM did nothing to fix it. Nothing. Nothing. There were, I talked about this on the State of the Pack series, I think, back in the spring. There were multiple defensive linemen who could have helped. Sure, some of them were outside of Green Bay's price range, but they weren't all. There were some the Packers could have got. They could have afforded. They could have come in and helped on cheap one-year deals or two-year deals. Didn't do it. The draft, I talked about a, t- I talked about a bunch of defensive linemen. The Packers could have picked in the first few rounds. It could have come in and maybe helped. Nope. Didn't do anything there either. Nothing in free agency. Nothing in the draft. Holy shit, it's almost like if you ignore an area of need, it comes back to bite you in the ass, huh, Brian? Who did nothing? You know? But just, not just on the defensive line. Not just on the defensive line, you know? Look at inside linebacker. Now, I like Barnes. And obviously, I like my guy, Kamal Martin. And and Martin, you know, and they both did some, they, they both had a couple of nice plays today. But why are they relying on an undrafted free agent and a fifth-round pick, both rookies and inside linebacker? Why do they ignore this position every year? Every year. For I don't even know how long. A decade plus, at least, they've ignored this position. I guess unless you count Oren Burks. Drafting or otherwise, they've totally ignored it. And that bites them in the ass, too. You know why they're so bad against the run? Because they don't have that, the inside linebacker thing. That's not the only reason, but that's a huge part of it. Maybe those guys get better, but they're both rookies, you know? Right now, they're not going to be great. This front seven is bad for the most part, particularly when stopping the run. Gutekunst could have added some, you know, I said this again. They needed big, strong guys who are hard to move. They don't have enough of them. Football's not that complex, folks. The Packers don't have enough. I see people going, where's Kenny Clark? How can you blame Kenny Clark? No, he hasn't been very good. But can you, do you know how much attention he's getting? Offensive lines, offensive line coaches just worry about him. They don't worry about anybody else. 
To blame this on Kenny Clark is absurd. Get him some more talent. Put some more... We talk about Aaron Rodgers. Put some more guys around Kenny Clark. For Christ's sakes. So yeah, there you go. There's your equation. No energy plus bad scheme plus lack of talent equals soft. Can they fix it? God, I don't think so. But I, I, I hope so. I doubt it. You know, I've been saying this run defense getting pushed around was my... That was my biggest concern about the team since again spring. And I look like a genius because, yep, it's still my biggest concern. It was my biggest concern last season. I said last season, if they get sent home earlier than they want, that's going to be the reason why. Guess what it was? Guess what? It probably still will be. They still get pushed around. They're still soft. Come on. Unbelievable. You know what, though? The offense, (laughs) frankly, they weren't much better. That group wasn't much better. They definitely deserve a huge chunk of the blame. 22 points against a defense that is more banged up and less talented than the one you lit up in week one on the road. Remember, they traded Ngakwe. He's gone. No one Ngakwe. Are you kidding me? The Vikings, their defense was down to like fifth, sixth, I think like ninth and tenth string DBs. I don't know about the ninth and tenth thing. You might want to double check that. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? I think they had, what did I say, two healthy corners at the end of the game, two or three? Packers still struggled moving the ball through there. Inexcusable. Pathetic. Pathetic from this offense. So what went wrong there? Or should I say what went wrong in the second half? Because obviously they were a perfect two for two in the first half. I'm not going to count that one play drive at the end of the second quarter. That's ridiculous. Well, before we go into it. Oh, this apple cider is so good. You're getting me through this day, apple cider from Swans. The biggest thing to me was that they became incredibly impatient in the second half. Incredibly impatient. Vikings coach Mike Zimmer was sticking hard to that two-deep shell look. The look that has so often been employed against Aaron Rodgers and the one that, frankly, still seems to give him fits at times. Look, that look, they talked about this in the broadcast, but we all know this because it's been used so much against our guy Aaron through the years. That look forces you to be patient, to stick to the short passing game, and more importantly, stick to the run. And in the first half, Green Bay did just that. Right? No Aaron Jones again today with a calf injury. Sure looks like more than a minor tweak, huh? Anyways, Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon combined for 75 yards on 16 carries. So what, just under 4.7 yards a carry? That's good. That's more than enough. And Rodgers was only 11-12 for 78 yards, but he had two scores. That was nice. You know, not much yardage, and the 6.5 yards per attempt is nothing to write home about. But it worked. They knew what they had to do against the Vikings' defense, and they did it. They were patient, and they ripped off two scoring drives, totaling an epic 29 plays. 13 on the first, 16 on the second. That's great. Just keep doing that. Nope. Vanished in the second half. Vanished. Now, I understand why they had to abandon the run a little bit towards the end, you know, in that fourth quarter. But in the second half combined, in the second half, only five carries for Williams. None for Dylan. And what was a close game or close-ish, relatively close? What the hell? They became far too enamored with passing the ball. And you saw how well that worked out, didn't you? Rodgers completing just 16 of 29 second-half throws. Of course, there were a few reasons for that, weren't there? So I don't, look, I don't know how much of it was the wind or not, but he was off on some throws in that second half. You know, he had Jay Sternberger wide open. Christ, he'd still be running. He'd be halfway to Chicago by now. Had him open late in the third quarter, down 28-14, missed him. Just missed him. This is a bad throw. You know, even that 45-yarder to uh, tight end Robert Tunyon. I gotta say Tunyon, it's not Tunyon, Tunyon. That wasn't a great throw, Tunyon having a slide to get it. 
Should have hit him in stride. You know? Not just the second half. I mean, even that fourth down conversion to Jace on Green Bay's first drive. That was not a great throw. That was pretty high. Sternberger did a nice job going up and getting it. You know? So he was up. It's, of course, it wasn't all Rodgers. I don't want to put this all on him. Not by a long shot. Man, that back-to-back play sequence targeting Equinemius St. Brown, ESB as we call him here on the show, with the Packers trailing 21-14 in the third was just completely disastrous for the young wideout. Third and 10 at the Minnesota 36. Rodgers targets ESB. Goes right in his hands. He has it. Can't hang on to it going to the ground. Incomplete. Fourth and 10. Rodgers, for some reason, goes deep to ESB again. He could have had it in the end zone. I know it would have been a tough catch, but your job is NFL wide receivers to make those catches. Couldn't do it. Couldn't hang on. Turnover on downs. Catch the ball. I think someone said Rodgers was caught saying after that pass in the end zone, catch the ball. Turnover on downs. So two plays in a row to ESB. Can't come up with either one. Not freaking good enough. And that was kind of the game in a nutshell for the Packers, non-Devontae Adams receivers for the game, but particularly in that second half. Those guys just they just couldn't really step up, you know? Malik Taylor, Gliak Power, had the nice 26-yard reception on third and 10. That led to Green Bay's final touchdown of the day, which was nice. I continue to say he deserves more opportunities, especially ahead of MVS and ESB, who I'm just about ready to give up on. Rodgers, in particular, seems just done with MVS. I think, did he only target him? I gotta look this up. Did he only target him one time? Yeah, he had the one catch for 19 yards. I, I thought for sure he was gonna drop it, but somehow he caught it. But he only targeted him once. And then he has, I don't know why Taylor isn't getting these chances. Every time the guy gets an opportunity, he's making plays. You know? But without Alan Lazard in the lineup, get well soon, Alan. The talent just isn't there. This is why I said after the Saints, I think it was the Saints game, Saints game or Lions game. You gotta let this stuff play out, people. Everyone early in the season was crowing about the wide receivers. Ah, ah, if they drafted a wide receiver, if they drafted wide receivers, I guess they'd be better than three and zero, huh? Yeah, where's everybody saying they need wide receivers? Huh? Shut up for eternity or whatever the crazy shit they were saying. You're not crowing now, are you? You're pretty silent right now, are you? Aren't you? You sure are. More on that in a bit. Don't worry, I've got more on the wide receiver stuff. That's coming. You know, they were and they were just incredibly sloppy, too. That series late in the third with two holding calls. Was it back-to-back plays or two out of three plays? God, I don't even remember. But you know what I'm talking about. That killed a drive for the Packers in the second half. Killed it. At some point, someone on Twitter, I think one of the beat guys, I can't remember who, said that they had five offensive penalties at one point today. They may have finished more, but when they hit their fifth, they said that, that had matched their total for the season or something. Just really sloppy. Really, really sloppy. Particularly in the offensive line. Two holding calls on Elton Jenkins, disappointing. Very disappointing. He has been good this year. I was expecting Jenkins to be a little bit better, I will say that. He's been good. But I was thinking he was going to really take that year two leap and hasn't quite happened yet. Anyways, I digress. And then the officiating, which was just fucking terrible throughout. They were ass. The officials were ass throughout. They sunk that drive after... They sunk the drive after that, the one that was killed by the holding penalties fourth and nine Rogers incomplete to Tunyon but okay it was clearly pass interference and they threw the flag all right drive's gonna continue nope pick the flag up turnover on downs even now I'm speechless I can't even believe it. it's what 10 13 on Sunday night I can't even believe that they that they didn't call that PI how they picked that flag up how how did they do that the guy got there early never turned his head 
Some of the ticky-tack shit they were calling on Green Bay, but they don't call that on Minnesota? Are you kidding me? Vikings says, go Packers, get all the calls. You better shut up about that for the rest of time after today. I'll tell you that. And you know, if you listen to the show, you know, I don't, I'm not a big complaint about the officials guy. I will on Twitter a little bit. I tend to not do that on the show. But man, holy crap, were they bad. Holy shitballs, were they bad. That, that missed pass interference call was brutal, but you know what? So were the two pass interference calls on Green Bay. On Minnesota's first drive of the second half, with the score still tied at 14. Right? Let's talk about those. Third and six at the Green Bay 26. Big play. Pass incomplete. Shot downfield to Jefferson. Pass interference on Jair, though. I thought that was a weak call. I did not really think that that was worthy of a pass interference, but whatever. So it's first and goal. Okay, third and goal at the Green Bay 6. All right. Let's get a stop. And they do. It's incomplete. Oh, they call pass interference on Josh Jackson. That was a super hella weak call, in my opinion. Give him first and goal at the one. Let's talk about that. Adam Thielen, go back and look. Adam Thielen runs right into Josh Jackson and then kind of flails his arms a little bit and then they start hand battling and then it's over It's over his head. Incomplete. He ran into him. These, this pisses me off. These wide receivers know this shit now. I tend to not be one of these, the game is soft now, guys. But th- this is getting ridiculous. This is soft ass. These wide receivers know it too. All they have to do is run into the, the corner or the safety of the DB and kind of move flail their arms a little bit and they'll probably get a flag. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I can't believe it. So, you know, you add all that up. Impatience, off-target throws, lack of wide receiver depth, penalties, shit officiating, and you get that turd of a final 30 minutes from this Packers offense. Just a turd, a stinky turd in the punch bowl. Now, again, getting Lazard and Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari, too, of course, back will help. But, man, Minnesota was shorthanded, too. They were shorthanded. The Vikings found a way to win. Green Bay couldn't. At home. That's troubling. That is troubling. I'll tell you what. And I'm tired. I don't want to hear any more of this Aaron Rodgers. Oh, the the energy. Excuse, this is excuses. This Well, the energy wasn't real good in practice this week. Said the same thing after the ass-kicking in Tampa. That's this is getting excuse making at this point. Give me a so then do me a favor, Aaron. I want to. I wish one of these reporters would say, you know, someone could say, hey, Aaron, then do me a favor. Can can some one of the beat guys ask Lafleur on Friday how the energy level was this week, and we'll adjust our expectations for that Sunday's game accordingly. Because like if Lafleur, if they ask him, and he's like, well, it hasn't been a great week in practice, and I'm not going to get excited about the game on Sunday. That's a bunch of bullshit. That's excuse making. Give me a break. Anyways, so big picture time. I'm almost 23 minutes in. It's pretty clear to me that the Packers overlooked Minnesota. Again, I don't care if Rodgers said they didn't. That doesn't matter to me. They did. They were looking ahead to their NFC Championship game rematch with San Francisco on Thursday night. Period. Point blank. It just had the feel of a let's get this one over with, boys, game. And you just, you know what? You can't play that way in the NFL and expect to win. You can't. Not against your second biggest rival. A team coming off a bye that you punked out pretty badly in week one in their own building. Did they not think the Vikings were going to come in hard? Looking to save face after week one? You know? The Packers did overlook them, didn't they? And they lost. And I'll tell you what, if you had concerns about this team being simply too soft to hold up against physical hard-nosed opposition, well, this performance is only going to make you feel worse, isn't it? As we near the midway point of the season, it'll be half over after Thursday night. Can you believe that? Oop, almost a burp. Got to keep it real. It's like a half burp. The Packers look a lot like they did last year. 
good, but trending towards not good enough, particularly against a certain type of opponent. Right? A physical, hard-nosed opponent that wants to bully them. Now, there will be opportunities to change this line of thinking. San Francisco may be too beat up Thursday night to provide a great challenge in that department. But I'll tell you what, the two games against Chicago, as well as those contests against Indianapolis and Tennessee, they definitely will. Indianapolis sacked Stafford, I think, what, five times today? That's a good defense. That's a tough-ass defense. Packers are going to be challenged here. You know, but all, all three of those teams are physical, tough football teams. And right now, how good do you feel about the Packers holding up in those contests? Be really, really, I want you to be really honest with yourself. Do you feel that good about it? You can't feel that good about their chances in those games. I know I don't. All right. So this has been fun, huh? Let's go to the Twitter bag. I asked people to submit some questions, comments, concerns after the game. Packer fans did respond, and I'm always happy to hear that. So these are in no particular order now. We shall start with, hang on, my computer's being a shit. Let's go with, let's start with Nate at Nathan Hates Life. That's dark. That kind of fits the mood though, doesn't it? Does this loss change your views on how the Packers will play in upcoming games? Uh, that's an interesting question, Nate. I don't know if it changes it. It reaffirms how I feel about the Packers playing against, you know, again, teams that want to come in and be physical and pound them and run the ball. Yeah. It, it reaffirms it for me that I don't think that they're built to beat that kind of team. And you have to think they're going to, again, they're going to face just before the re- end of the regular season. They've got two games against Chicago, Indianapolis, Tennessee towards the end of the year. Those will all be tough games to win. And you know at some point the playoffs are going to face a team like this. You know, a team like Tampa that's, I mean, a team, a team like, it's, you can't really compare Tampa and Minnesota. But like as far as Tampa wanting to be, Tampa being fast and physical ever, and Minnesota wanting to hammer them as far as running the ball, I do think there were some similarities, at least in that area, and that one area. Packers struggled. So I continue to think that they probably won't be able to beat a team like that in the playoffs. No. This run defense just isn't good enough. No. Definitely not. So yeah, it, it, I don't know if it changes it, but it definitely reaffirms it for me that like, they're soft. Yeah. All right. Matilla the Hun at Matilla D. Hun. He says, that sucked. Petten needs to go, though the players have to execute. Maybe time to start putting Gary in over Preston? Instead of Fuller, get another defensive tackle next to Clark. But go Pack go, on to San Francisco, Godspeed run defense. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely some questions here about the uh, upcoming trade deadline, which I'm going to get to, don't worry. So let's talk about um, Petten needs to go. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, I said on Twitter I'd fire him tomorrow. I don't think LaFleur will, but I would. And if they're bad again on Thursday, I, I think there's a really good chance he gets fired on Friday. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just you're letting the season slip away to, to keep him employed. You're just the defense. He's not all of a sudden going to make the defense better. You know what's amazing to me about Mike Petten is that he did his best work in Green Bay that first year when he had the least amount of talent. That was my first year doing the show, and I remember so many weeks I would go, man, you could really see a good defense in here. They just don't have enough horses. Get them some horses. And then they did, and they've gone downhill ever since. I don't get it. But think about Petten's first year, right? Think about that first half against the Rams. Is that the Rams Super Bowl year? I think it was. That first half against the Rams, they were really, really good. They fell apart in the second half. Not enough horses. They kept Seattle in check all the way until, what, the fourth quarter? Fell apart, not enough horses. They had Tom Brady and the Patriots totally chained up. 
for just about three quarters before falling apart. I mean, they turned in some really good performances that year, but just kind of always felt like injuries and or just not enough talent. But now Pettin's got it, and he sucks worse. I don't get it. Uh, time to start putting in Gary over Preston? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, the Preston Smith thing, you know. I think I just said last week, oh, it's a little premature, people saying he might get cut. And I'm sitting here going, I don't know. They're just not getting anything from that dude. He's just, you know, he was so... Obviously, the statistics were great last year, but I talked about this, him and Zadarius being the FU guys. There was such an energy, a passion, a fire that he played with. I don't see it from Preston this year. I know he came into camp a little overweight, but like... I'm just not seeing it from him this year. I think I might start giving Gary a bit more of a look. Yeah. Uh, instead of four, well, I'll get to that. I'll get, I'll get to that. Because there's some questions about that. Don't worry. Okay, Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell, friend of the show. I think the offense will be able to be what it needs to be once Lazard, Bakhtiari, and especially Jones comes back. Today was a game they really missed a playmaker like him. But it just seems so obvious that this defense is going to prevent the team from doing something special. Are you sensing a trend that the question is about the defense? <laughs> There's more. Um, okay, so Justin, let's talk about your your thoughts here. Uh, yeah, they will be better once Lazard, Bakhtiari, and Jones. I mean, obviously those are three of the you know the better players, the best players on the offense. So that, definitely the offense will be better. Um, and I do think they missed Jones a lot today. Although, you know, the fact that they didn't really stick with the run in the second half, I don't know if Aaron Jones would have changed that. Again, they were just so impatient with the game plan in the second half. It really hurt. But yeah, I agree. I mean, the defense as currently constructed and currently coordinated is probably going to prevent the team from doing something special. Again, I said last year that was the case. Said it in the offseason because they didn't improve it at all. Said it in training camp. Said it on the preseason, the, the the show I did right before the season started. I mean, yeah. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting a different result. Well, that's what's going on with this defense. So, of course... Yeah, it's going to prevent them, right? As currently as they currently are constructed. Um, Javier Cabrera at Ja Cabrera twenty four. He says no urgency from the defense. They let Cook walk all over them. Uh yeah. I have no. Um, I have no. I don't really have anything to add to that. They did. Cook, he's really good. Holy shit, he's a stud. Fast, strong, great vision. Great footwork. Kid's a total package, no doubt. He's gonna have a great career in Minnesota if he can stay healthy. There's no he's he's the real deal, man. Again, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's hyperbole to put him in that group as far as at least Packers killers go with Adrian Peterson and Randy Moss. I think he's there now, yeah. Especially after a performance like today, I mean making Lambeau field history. Okay, uh Daniel Ray at D Ray three. Ask simply, why can't we have a defense? I don't know. Why can't we, Daniel? I have no idea. But they don't have one. Again, they don't have one. You know? I said to somebody on Twitter during the game, you'd think at some point the law of averages, they would just like stumble into having a really good defense. But hasn't happened. Hasn't happened since really the Super Bowl year. Yeah, it's been it's been a tough 10 years of defenses in Titletown. I'll tell you what. Not a good tough either. Uh, Craig Kruth at Sauerkraut87 asks, why are they looking at wide receiver when we need a run stopper? Okay, so, yeah, that I'm going to combo Craig's question with a, a question from my pal Gene, who sent me one after the game. My buddy, he says, 
With all this talk about adding Will Fuller before the deadline, should there also be an effort to get another front seven player in here? Preston Smith has disappeared. Gary doesn't look like a difference maker. And Zadarius can't do it all by himself. Teams aren't giving those guys away. But should that be a focus for Gutekunst before Tuesday? So I'll kind of combo Craig's question and Gene's question into one. Um, yeah, I mean, they need both. <laughs> they definitely need both. I think front, I mean, in a perfect world, you'd like to see him get both. If you're, go- if you're going for this year, but more on that in a second. If you're really trying to win it all this year, yeah, you'd like to see him get Wolf Fuller, maybe a guy like I think it's Harris from the Broncos, a D lineman. I've heard his name possibly being mentioned as someone they might they may be looking to trade. Um, yeah, in a perfect world, you'd get both. Because really, they need both. I mean, you could say, well, if they improve the wide receivers, that'll help. But the run defense is bad. You know, I mean, it seems silly to, to get one and not get the other, you know, if you really are trying to go all in. So this brings me to my Brian Gutekunst rant. Chris, didn't you already do it? Oh, no, no, no. This is the real Brian Gutekunst rant. I think, obviously, they need a wide receiver and a D lineman. Yes. But if they trade for a wide receiver and a D lineman on third, uh, before Tuesday, it's going to give me, this might sound crazy. I know some people on Twitter thought it, it was crazy, but it will give me serious pause as to whether or not Brian Gutekunst knows what the fuck he's even doing. Here's what I mean. We knew after the NFC Championship game that they needed a wide receiver. We knew that they needed front seven help. They didn't get it. Didn't do it in free agency. Didn't do it in the draft, right? Didn't do it for the draft. They drafted for the future. They didn't draft a a single player that could help them this year, really, 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 until Kamal Martin in the fifth round. They drafted for the future. I said at at my my draft wrap-up, Gutekunst was laying down and LaFleur was laying down their vision, those two, for what the future was going to be, for what they were going to look like in 2022 and 2023 and beyond. Okay, so if you're going to basically not sign anybody in free agency, and I know they were a little hamstrung on the cap because Bakhtiari and King, et cetera, et cetera, Jones, Lindsley. That's fine. But the draft is where you go get these guys who can step in. They didn't. They drafted for the future, which was essentially saying to me, they're not that concerned about the season, not that they're trying to lose, but that they're more focused on the future. Fair enough. So then to have that be your approach after the draft, that's what it looks like anyways. To now get six or seven weeks in and go, hey, you guys, holy shit, you know what we need? I'm talking about being Brian Gutekunst now. Brian Gutekunst going, hey, you know what, holy shit, you know what we need? We need a wide receiver. We need a defensive lineman. Brian, you knew that back in the spring. Like, you know, and it's not like the Packers. It's just like, well, I don't know if the Packers are going to be good this year. Everybody thought they were going to be pretty good. It could be really good if they upgraded, which they didn't. But people thought they could be a pretty good team. Right? This isn't like the Packers where a team everybody thought was going to stink and now they, they're a surprising 5-2 and two and it's like, shit, Green Bay might have a shot to be pretty good this year. Maybe they should make a move. We knew that they were going to be good back in the spring and Gutekunst did nothing. So to know that then and all of a sudden now, do you know what I'm saying? How can you treat free agency in the draft for the future, ignore the immediate, and then get to the season and go, wait, now we have to address the immediate. What? You know when you could have taken a wide receiver? Back in the spring, and that historically loaded wide receiver draft. You did nothing. You could have taken a D lineman. You did nothing. There were plenty of good D linemen. Didn't do a damn thing. So to get to this point in the season and go, 
Oh, shit, guys. You know what we need is a wider... It's like, Brian, have you been asleep this whole fucking time? What? It would make me wonder... It would, ugh, voice cracked. It would make me wonder if he knows that's how worked up I'm getting. It would make me wonder if he even knows what he's doing. To say, I've got this plan for the future. Oh, wait. Wait, now I've got to worry about the present. This isn't when you do it. You do it then. So, like, sure, they could trade for Will Fuller. You know, they could give... I If they do, I hope they don't give up more than a four. Because they're probably going to get a couple of comp fours for, Bach, for uh, Blake Martinez and Balaga. So they could give up their own four for Fuller, I guess. You know, I hope they don't go higher than that for a rental. But it just, you know... Or they could give up a five for a D-lineman or a four for a D-lineman or something like that. But it's just like... And I get that it would make this team better, but it would kind of give me a lot of worry about the GM. That I don't know what if he knows what he's doing. Because right now, I don't know that he knows what he's doing. This would just further cement that for me. I hope that made sense. Here's the analogy I use. I didn't use this on Twitter, but here's the analogy I use about the wide receiver position. Are you ready? Okay. So say you and I are getting ready to go on a trip. Right? We're buddies. We're going to go on a trip. We're going to go to, I don't know, South by Southwest in Austin. There you go. Right? Cool bands and all that shit. We're going to go down there. And we're getting on the plane and I go, hey, did you bring a, you got a toothbrush, right? And you're like, yeah. Well, let's say, it's, say you're asking me, we're getting on the plane. Chris, did you bring a toothbrush? Because you know that last time we went on the trip, we went to Coachella, you didn't bring a toothbrush. I go, when we went to Bonnaroo, you did not bring a toothbrush. I would say, and I go, yeah, no, I didn't. I know I need. I needed one last time. I didn't bring one this time either, but I got floss and mouthwash, and that should be about the same thing. And he'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, great. So now we, we get on the plane and we go to Austin, right? We're going out for barbecue and beers, and it's great. And we've been in Austin a few hours, and all of a sudden I turn to you and go, hey, you know what, man? I, I got to go get a toothbrush. <laughs> you'd be like, what? You, 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 you needed one. And now... You're standing with me in some shitty convenience store and I'm paying $5 for a 75-cent toothbrush because, hey, I need one. And it's all that's there. And you're like, dude, you could have got, te- you you got a toothbrush at Walmart or Target for like a couple bucks. Three bucks, four bucks for the trip. Like, you knew you needed one. Why did you wait till we got down here to go, oh, shit, now I need one? I hope that makes sense. But that's the best way I can compare this wide receiver defensive lineman thing. You know? Who else compares it that way other than me? That's why you listen to the show, right? But that's what pisses me off. Like, to all of a sudden now go, God, we need these things. When you knew, everybody knew. It just gives me a lot of pause about Brian Gutekunst. I will say that. And I think I have one. Do I have one more here? Let me see if I can find it. This is from Philip Voss at P underscore Voss. He writes, Jordan Love better turn out to be fucking amazing or I will never forgive this management team for essentially punting on the Rodgers era by not working on this shit defense or getting another wide receiver that can catch the fucking ball. So Philip clearly shares my thoughts on this. That it did, that draft felt like they were punting the rest of the Rodgers era. Again, not that they're trying to tank, but just we're turning our major organizational focus to the future. That's fine. I mean, I don't agree with it. You know, I said this on Twitter Thursday night. It's not what I would have done. Not at all. But it's what they did. And it's like, at least by definition, it is a plan. So that's the plan. We're going to stick with this plan. Nope. 
We're not going to stick with the plan now. Now we're going to be looking at maybe giving away picks from next year's draft. Picks that could help us in the future, which we seemed to be planning for, to help us now. And I just think that's such a bad spot for a GM. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think as a GM, you have to be focused either on the right now or the absolute future. But trying to win now and win later, I don't know. I feel like Ted got caught in that trap a little bit with the Packers, and, you know, it hurt. He would draft defensive players that he was hoping to make an immediate impact. Meanwhile, he would not spend in free agency to further supplement the defense or give Rodgers a little bit more help. Drafting for the now, free agency for the spending for the future. He had one foot in both realm, a foot in each realm, and it just it didn't work. It hurt the Packers. It probably caused him at least one Super Bowl. I think Gutekunst is trying to make the same mistake. Or he's trying to do the same thing, and he's making the same mistake. There you go. That was a long rant. I hope you enjoyed that. Okay, I believe that's everything. If I missed something someone sent, I apologize. Thanks to everyone who did send along something for the Twitter bag. It's always nice, you know. I always appreciate, it, especially after a tough loss like this. I know people are pissed. They just want to log off and forget about it, so I thank all of you. We look ahead now to next week. Well, Thursday night, actually, as the Packers travel across country. Hey, that seems totally fair in a short week, huh? To face the San Francisco 49ers at Levi's Stadium in a rematch of the NFC Championship game from January, where the Packers, well, fuck it, you remember how that one went. Not well. The Niners are an incredibly beat-up team on both sides of the ball and may now be without quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo and all-world tight end George Kittle as both were hurt in San Francisco's 37-27 road loss to the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Keep an eye on that. Thursday night's game is set for a 7.20 Lambeau time, 7.20 p.m. Lambeau time kickoff. Why would it be a.m.? 7.20 p.m. Lambeau time kickoff on Fox and the NFL Network. And of course I'll be back. Well, it won't be Thursday night. It'll be Friday morning that you'll hear from me. You'll hear from me as usual as I'll be at work struggling to stay away. But I'll be there, win, lose, or draw, to recap the game. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packers fans. I love you, I love you, I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy-ass world. And until next time, always and forever, go Pack. Go.